God's Word comes to us this evening from the words of Luke 21. I'll be reading the first four verses of Luke 21, and this is um, the same theme or a similar theme as this morning. If you were here worshiping with us this morning, you know that we looked at um, the little boy who gave a little gift to Jesus in John chapter 6, five barley loaves and two fish, and with that Jesus performed a miracle and fed over 5,000 people. Um, We looked at how the smaller characters, if you want to call them that, the people who just kind of jump onto the scene in the Bible and then disappear again before you know it, um, how they still have an amazing impact. And so we're looking at another person this evening who isn't talked about very long, just a couple verses, but also has a very similar impact and also is about that theme of giving what we have to give to our Lord. So let's read now from Luke 21, starting at verse 1. Hear now the word of the Lord. Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts in the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you please join me in prayer? Father, please bless us by your word tonight. Help us to dwell on this portion in a way that changes us by your spirit. But we know that we can't focus hard enough I can't preach hard enough, we can't listen hard enough to change or mold or shape our own souls. That's your work, your gift to us. And so, Lord, with outstretched hands, we pray that in Jesus' name, you would light these words on fire on the page and in our hearts, and that we would be changed by our time communing with you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ, um, in 2017, some researchers from Switzerland told 50 people that they'd be receiving $100 over the next few weeks. Now, half the people that they were going to give this money to, they said, you have to spend it on someone else. So we're going to give you, we'll mail you a check pretty soon. Once you get it, you have to promise you're going to give it away to someone else. And the other half, they said, once you get your check, you have to promise us that you will only spend it on yourself. That's the deal. You see, the researchers were studying to see whether or not simply pledging to be generous in the future was enough to make people happier. So before they gave out the money, they brought everyone into their lab, and they asked them to think about what they were going to do with the money. Either they, they were told, you have to give it away, so if they were told that, they said, think about the friend or whoever you're going to give the money to, a, a charity, whatever, just think about that. Picture it in your mind. 
And with the other half, they said, picture, you know, we told you you have to spend it on yourself, so picture what you're going to buy. If you're going to go out to a nice restaurant, get the steak dinner, if you're going to buy something else, picture that in your mind. And then, while they had them do that, they performed functional MRI scans of their brain to see the areas of the brain that light up, that are associated with social behavior, generosity, happiness, decision-making. And what they found is that the people who were told they had to give the money away had more activity in the area of their brain that signals feelings of happiness, which connected with the fact that when they just asked the people later, the group that was told they had to give it away reported that they did feel happier and more at peace than the group that was told they had to be selfish with the money. There was another study in the U.S. recently where 1,000 Americans were asked about their levels of happiness and also about how generous they were on a regular basis. That study found that overall, the generous people were 23% more satisfied with their lives than the people who were not generous. But, if you're not convinced to be generous yet, it doesn't just affect how you feel emotionally. Studies have also found that generosity can actually reduce blood pressure as much as exercise and diet. It has been linked to reducing anxiety, depression, and many types of chronic pain. In fact, the health benefits of generosity are so impressive that Stephen Post, the director of the Stony Brook School of Medicine in New York, has said, if you were somehow able to package the effects of generosity into a bottle, you would be a billionaire overnight. And if those studies don't impress you enough, then you might be interested to know that a study of over 2,000 people indicated that people had a 63% lower rate of death than those who were selfish. If you were generous, it could literally help you stay alive longer. Now, the reason I bring up a bunch of different studies really fast is because Luke is telling us tonight about a time that Jesus was studying generosity standing around at the temple with his closest disciples, watching people put their offerings in the temple treasury. Jesus sees a lot of very wealthy people putting in a lot of money, and then he notices what Luke calls the poor widow, who's the focus of the message tonight. And just like the other, what I would call, minor characters of the Bible, we don't know a lot about her, just like the little boy from this morning. She comes and goes from the story in just a couple verses. So what we do know for sure is that she put in two very small copper coins in the temple treasury. Jesus saw her do it, and Jesus told his disciples that she had given more than everyone else that day, all the rich people, because they gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, gave all she had to live on. That's what we know for sure. But what Luke doesn't tell us is what her motivation was for giving the two small copper coins. And even though she lived about 2,000 years before the studies that I just mentioned were ever done, it makes you wonder, maybe the woman in our passage for this morning knew about those benefits. Maybe she went to the temple that day thinking that, you know, my doctor says my blood pressure could be a tad lower, so I might as well throw in a couple coins, see if it helps. Maybe 
she wanted to be 23% more satisfied with her life overall. Maybe she even had a hunch that tossing those coins into the treasury might add a week or two to her life. And if you're thinking, I don't know, Jim, that sounds like a bunch of baloney to me, then I would say, you're probably right. (laughs) Because there's no way that was her motivation. Possible health benefits, a boost of happy feelings, may have been why some of the others there that day were doing it. The rich people that Jesus talked about who were giving large sums of money out of their wealth. But there is no way that that could be the motivation of this poor woman. There's no way she did it for her feelings of happiness alone because Jesus tells us that she put in all she had to live on. Any brief feeling of happiness would likely fade pretty quickly once her rent came due, her stomach started to rumble, and she realized she didn't have a single copper coin to do anything about it. So piggybacking on that, I doubt anyone would argue that her style of giving would reduce anxiety. For most of us, even the thought of giving away everything we have would make us feel like we had to breathe into a paper bag for a couple minutes. And as far as I can tell, there is only one reason that a woman like this would give her last two coins. There is literally only one explanation for why she did what she did that day. She gave out of her heart for God. Her love of her Lord with all her heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving her neighbor as herself. She gave because she clung to her faith and her relationship with her Father in heaven, closer than the food she ate and the roof over her head. Now, at the beginning of the message, when I was rattling off all those amazing facts and interesting studies, I have to say that if those studies haven't convinced you to want to give more of your wealth, your time, your energy to God as a way of loving and honoring the Lord, then what I have to say to that is fine, good. I'm glad all of those amazing statistics and MRI brain scans haven't convinced you that you should do more Give more of yourself to the work of the Lord. Now, don't get me wrong when I say that. I hope that all of you here, as you give generously, as you live your lives for God, that you do have some of those benefits in your life. I want you to experience happiness of walking in step with Christ and seeing what can come of a life lived like that. I hope your generosity makes you more filled with peace, maybe even helps keep you alive. That would be amazing. But if you leave here tonight more inspired by God's word to give of your time, your talents, and service to God, I hope it's because of the witness of one poor widow. I hope the lesson that Jesus was teaching his disciples by her example becomes the foundational truth for us. I hope the Holy Spirit inspires us to also live and give in a way that at the end of the day can only have one explanation. See, when we're only a little bit generous, 
the people around us, they could come up with all sorts of reasons why we give like we give. Ah, you know, those Christians, they just want to make themselves feel better. Everybody knows how much they actually spend on themselves. Pretty easy to rattle off excuses. And you can't control people from the outside judging you. That's going to happen regardless. Sometimes we just got to let it go. Keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. But we also have to ask ourselves that question. Are some of those critiques more true than I want them to be? Should I actually be wondering, are there other reasons? Are there other easy explanations for the way I live my life? Is the point of tonight's message is not that Jesus was using this poor widow woman to teach that every Jesus follower should give every dime they have until they can't afford a McDonald's hamburger, let alone their mortgage or their car insurance. Jesus' point doesn't seem to be you must go completely broke in your giving. However, Jesus' point does seem to be However you give, however much you give, it matters what kind of sacrifice it is. I guess the way I would ask the question is this. Apart from Christ, does your generosity make sense? Apart from Christ, does your life make sense? If you took your faith in and your relationship with Jesus out of your life, Would the rest of the way that you move and speak, week in, week out, would it still make perfect sense to everyone on the outside looking in? Or do you live your life in a way that there's only one explanation for who you are, for the priorities you have? Because Jesus is Lord of your life and you have your mind set here and now on spending eternity with him. Now, in the early 1900s, there was a young man by the name of William Borden. He was the heir to a multi-million dollar family fortune. But he gave it all up because he wanted to be a missionary in China. So he stopped in Egypt on the way there to study Arabic. But he was only there a month before he contracted meningitis and died. Most people may look at William Borden's life and say, oof, that's unfortunate, that was a waste. But it's said that on his deathbed, Borden wrote in his Bible, no regrets. Now, Borden is buried in Cairo, Egypt, in an obscure graveyard filled with forgotten people. His tombstone is plain, you wouldn't know where it was at all, unless you asked a guide to help you find it. On that tombstone, there are three things written. Borden's name, the dates of his short life, and a quote. Apart from Christ, there is no explanation for such a life. Apart from Christ, there is no explanation for such a life. Could that be written on our tombstones someday? 
Or would it make more sense to write, eh, he was a little nicer than most people. Yeah, he did all right. He was an okay guy. She was, she was an all right lady. She kind of helped the community when she got around to it. And believe me, I'm not pointing any finger at any of you that isn't coming right back at me. Apart from Christ, does our life make sense? Does it make sense if eternity with Him isn't real? And we're not just talking about money. About every area of our lives. Does it look more like the poor widow giving everything she can? Or does it look like the rich throwing in coins because I got extra and it doesn't really matter to me anyway? How about the way we forgive other people? The way we put coins of forgiveness in the offering plate of the kingdom. Does that make sense? Ah, yeah, they forgive if obviously it benefits them in some way too, just like everybody else in the world does. Nothing, nothing Christian about it. Or does the way that we forgive others, the way that we embrace others who have hurt us, have only one explanation for why we would be crazy enough to forgive like that? Is there only one explanation for the way we love people who are, to be honest, hard to love? Who by their actions, by the way they move through the world, they make themselves hard to love. And most people would say, ah, forget them anyway if they're going to be like that. But do people say, I don't know, there's something about those people over there, the way they love that person that I know can be difficult at times. What's the explanation there? You know, as we prepare to close tonight, I want to briefly talk about one of the thoughts that many people have after they hear a passage like this. Some people hear Jesus declare that the widow gave more than everyone else did. She gave more than all these rich people. And they think, oh, okay. I know it's like a metaphor. Jesus didn't literally mean that. He meant it was like she gave more. But I want to challenge that tonight. I want to at least make you think about that in this week. I don't have all the answers, not even close. But I wonder, I think, Jesus literally meant that. I think he literally meant it was more. And what spurred me on thinking about this was a while back, I heard, I was driving down the road, listening to the radio, the news came on. And they were talking about a natural disaster that had happened. I think it was one of the most recent hurricanes. And they said it was the hometown of this celebrity. And I won't name names, but it's a famous celebrity. And they said she was so moved by helping her hometown, she gave $10,000 right away. And I'm driving down the road thinking, I know that person. I don't know exactly how much they make, but I know it's a lot. So, of course, curiosity got the best of me. I go home, get on the computer. Look up, what does this person make every year? Then take $10,000, divide that out, because I'm a nerd. So then I look at, well, what's the, what's the average salary in America? So what percent did she give of her wealth, and what would be the equivalent? It was around $7. It would be like if you or I gave, well, oh, I'm so moved by this tragedy, i got to get 7 bucks out right now. But she makes the news, $10,000? Yeah, out of millions and millions. 
You know, and I don't think, when we think about the poor widow either figuratively giving more or literally giving more, I don't think that God sits on his heavenly throne with thousands of angels bowing down before him, all authority in heaven and on earth, thinking, you know what I need in my church right now? A bunch of half-hearted followers of my son with deep pockets. Because even their chump change would bring in a lot of dough for the kingdom. He doesn't need it. The cattle on a thousand hills are mine, declares the Lord. You think I need that from you? I don't need it from you. I want your heart. And one of the ways that you give of that is by giving your resources, saying, I could spend this on myself. I could go inward with all of it and say, mine, 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 but I'm not going to do that. So I hope that as we give to God's kingdom with all heart, soul, mind, and strength, that we find ourselves happier, more filled with peace, that we find all those benefits, that maybe your doctor says, wow, I don't know what you've been doing with your blood pressure, but keep it up. That'd be great. But I really hope that's not why you do it. I really hope that's not why I do it. Because ultimately, there should be one explanation for why we live how we live. Because one day, we're here tonight because we believe one day the clouds will literally roll back like a scroll. We'll hear the trumpet call of God. Every tear will be wiped away. And the Lamb on the throne will say, Behold, I am making all things new. And in that moment, there will only be one explanation for the way we live that will make any sense at all. There was only one reason the widow gave the way she did. There was no one out there thinking, ah, she just likes to impress other people. She wants to feel important. No, she loved her Lord. She wanted to be a part of what her God was doing in the world. She was looking forward to a different kingdom. Hebrews would say, a heavenly one. And I hope the same can be said of all of our lives someday. Thanks be to God, and amen. Lord Jesus, you gave us a difficult and high calling when you pointed out the poor widow woman giving all she had to your disciples. When you made sure that Luke would write it down, that you led him by your spirit to pass it on through the centuries all the way to us today, saying, look at this woman, look at her life, what she was willing to give, and trust that that is a life worth living. Lord, I can't speak for anyone else's heart here tonight. But I know that's really hard for me. To truly believe that it's worth it to give that much, to live that devoted, that completely all in for what you're doing in the world, bringing your kingdom to bear. But we know it's true. We believe it's true when we look at your word, when we look at what you've done for us in Christ. So help us live 
like we believe it every day. Pick us up, dust us off, forgive us with your love when we fail. And may we be on the journey to drawing ever closer to you and to living in a way that has one explanation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to respond to God's calling in his word now by rising in body or spirit to sing in sweet communion, Lord, with you. Psalter Hymnal 554, all the verses of 554. of God, as we go from this place into another week, God is preparing for us. I pray you go knowing the Lord goes with you, that the one who calls you to that kind of sacrifice is one who calls you into a life of joy and peace in him, the only one who can truly provide that in the end, and the one who desires to bless your life with good things. I pray you see a glimpse of that in this week and know that his blessing does indeed rest upon your life. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. Brothers and sisters, do not be afraid for our Savior has overcome the world. Amen.